0: Hello and welcome to another episode of RB's 300 Seconds. I'm your host, Raymond Blakely, and today I am so excited to be chatting with Rico Gonzalez. Rico is the Administrative Program Coordinator for the Texas Education Consortium for Male Students of Color and is a first year doctoral student in the Executive EDD Program and Higher Education Leadership at the University of Texas at Austin. He earned his bachelor's degree in politics from Oberlin College and graduated with a master's in student affairs in higher education from Texas State University. Rico has worked in higher education for 12 years and his research interests include justice, mentoring, and first-generation Latinx college students. Thank you for joining me today, Rico.
1: Thank you for having me. So I'm originally from Houston, Texas, and uh, I grew up born and raised there and uh, my family immigrated from Mexico. Um, I have siblings. I have an older brother and older sister. And, um, you know, I, I love spending time at home with my family. And uh, I'm also married. Uh, we just recently celebrated our four year anniversary. Excellent. And, uh, you know, I've, I've lived in uh, you know upstate New York uh, and I came back here to, to the Austin area uh, a few years ago. Let's get into
0: some of these questions, because obviously we do want to get to know you a lot better, but we also want to figure out um, how you've kind of navigated your career as it relates to um, uh, issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So the first question I have for you is what diversity, inclusion, and cultural competence trainings have you received and how have you applied what you've learned on the job?
1: Sure. So I've worked uh, a number of years in higher education, you know, specifically within student affairs. and so. In a previous institution, I worked uh, in their academic diversity office and Mm -hmm. I was there for about eight years focusing on um, BIPOC populations, first-gen student support, uh, specifically with an education grant program. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the work that I do now is I focus on... um, Uh, boys and young men of color in K-12, community college and four-year institutions. So I support staff that are targeting those populations for educational success. Um, And, you know, during that time I, um, you know, I I identify as Latinx, as a a Latino man, and uh, my experiences uh, with the population have really been uh, enriching to to work with um, students who are, um, driven and successful and wanting to do uh, well with their education onto their career path, right? And so along the way, uh, you know, there's Trainings you do, and kind of like yeah. specific development that you do related to this work, being able to be culturally sensitive and supportive of students, you know, a few of which were targeting areas where I knew I need to, to do some more some more development. So, working with uh, LGBTQIA plus uh, ally training and support, as well as trans ally training. Um, one thing that I that I'd recently done as well. Uh, at a previous institution, they held uh, what they call an Equality University, and that's a wow. diversity and inclusion conference. Mm-hmm. And they bring together speakers um, from all over, and uh, they they break you into uh, like dialogue and, and small group uh, small groups to have deeper discussions about uh, topics. Uh, the year that I attended was about decolonizing higher education, and that was very informative to be able to do that. And so bringing that into my work uh, was uh, imperative, right? To to be able to uh, meet my students where they are and be able to help develop them and assist other professionals who are working with those student populations to be able to um, make sure that they are doing all that they can to to support them. Tell me this though,
0: what is your approach to dealing with discussions about potentially (laughs) difficult topics? I know that you've you've ran into these uh, a few times, you know, when we're talking about Difficult topics like race, religion, politics, and give us some examples. You you majored in politics as an undergrad, right?
1: I did. I did. There's a lot of tough conversations because uh, people are very passionate about um, their beliefs, right? And that in many instances, uh, folks really think that they're right, right? And they're really trying to argue or really defend their positions. And so um, you know, how I kind of approach things really is I need to first kind of assess the situation with who I am interacting with, right? Because there's differences between someone who is um talking about something to instigate and not really listen versus those who are open and wanting to have that dialogue, right? And so that's really how you kind of have to start and and be able to uh, assess the situation, really figure out where is this conversation starting from? Is it a real conversation or not? And um, that's where you can start, right? And then you can engage in the conversation. I'm gonna listen to you, you're gonna listen to me, and we're maybe gonna disagree or likely gonna disagree, right? but that's going to be okay because we're coming from the right place. And I think oftentimes, um, people are not really understanding where folks are coming from, especially with topics, specific topics like this. Right. Um, you have to ask the why questions. Why do you believe this? Why, uh, why is this something that that you hold and that you, um, really are, are really advocating for. Right. And so when, I'm thinking about this, I'm remembering a a conversation that I had uh, years ago, and it was really at the uh, overlap. And I don't wanna, I use the word overlap because I don't wanna use the word intersection because I think that's kind of used improperly in in a lot of spaces, right? Uh, The overlap of like police brutality, the BIPOC experience and also folks who wanting to support the police. Right. And so that was a tough conversation that I ended up having with some colleagues at the time, um, when, um, the, the killings of Philando Castillo and Alton Sterling happened a few years ago. And so that was a difficult conversation to have with them because it's so, um, deep and personal and it it hurts so much to be able to, to see that and to hear that. And then to try and hear folks, try and argue another side of this, this, this incident that was very, um, that happened in such a violent way. Right. And so in order to discuss these really difficult topics of, you know, whatever it is, race, religion, politics, um, you really have to listen and be able to kind of step back sometimes, but also really be able to um, voice, uh, bring voice to what it is that, that you really believe in, because there are going to be moments when you need to be challenged and where you need to challenge others um, on what it is that the, that they believe.
0: And that's that's a mature way of really addressing that, because you know I can be extremely opinionated, and I've learned recently to be to do more listening. For example, I remember talking to somebody in my career that was really dug in to the idea that an increased focus on recruiting students of color would result in decreased academic quality. The reality is, uh, as appalling as that sounds, I'm proud, particularly in that conversation, it was a tremendous amount of growth because I was able to navigate the discussion by listening to that individual's working definition of academic quality. So when you're talking about academic quality, what does that mean? How do you define that? And then also getting an understanding as to how they arrived at that statement. So, again, some patience, some discussion, we're able to arrive at an understanding that it's problematic to narrowly define academic quality without an understanding of American history. Um, and so that was a, a pretty interesting uh, back and forth. You know, I think the growth for me in that particular space was to listen. And as you mentioned, step back and you know you know that you, you you're so dug in and you, you, you sometimes you miss the opportunity to engage and really have somebody think through why they're so dug in on a specific topic um and have a this, this opinion that's really not based in facts in some cases
1: yeah and that growth is really important right yeah. like it, it's okay to um to learn and to listen and and to to have that growth it's important because then um you, you, progress doesn't really happen, right? That that folks were socialized to have particular opinions, or um, you know, to have to to believe what we believe right and it's not always correct and we have to make space for folks to be able to learn and then to like give them the time to actually have that growth because it isn't instantaneous we hope it will be right but it takes practice because it's a learned it's a learning process and it it took a lot of learning to get to where they were already. Yeah. Um, you have to allow them that, that space for that growth. And so that's really important as well. Thank you so much, Rico. That was that was great. I
0: appreciate you, man. And thank you so much for joining me today. This has been 300 Seconds, a podcast featuring everyday people who have done and are doing amazing things. Now, Rico, on this show, our guest gets to choose the outro
1: song. So what song did you choose and why? So I'm choosing uh, a a song from a band that has good memories for me, right? And so the band is The Suffers. I saw them here locally in Austin, uh, not too long ago, a couple years back. And it was a great time that I had out with my wife. And um, this is just one of the songs that they kind of, um, I enjoy listening to. It's got uh, a great sound and I love it.
0: Tell me where we could go eat Take me to the good times